Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared creates collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So says Viveka Melki, my next guest. She's the curator of a new exhibition that is touring uh, across the country and into Europe called War Flowers. You can check it out and find out more about it, warflowers.ca. Viveka and I talk about um, the importance of of, of, of being human. Uh, she, but by, by the way, she's a return guest. Uh, we spoke to her uh, a couple of years ago about her uh, film at Hot Docs called After Circus. She's a filmmaker. She's a POV, a point of view uh, filmmaker. We talk about why memory matters. We talk about um, how she actually brought this whole uh, touring art exhibition uh, uh, to bear and to, to life. It's, uh, it's about narrative. It's about story. It's about veterans. It's about history and about being good parents and about, about flowers and how cool is that? And how interesting is that? It's about sense and and what draws us in, and uh, what reminds us of again what it means to be um, human. Viveka is really concerned about the fact that history might be disappearing. You're going to hear more about that and about floriography. How cool is that? Uh, by listening in on this interview. So don't uh, don't go away. Viveka Melki is coming right up. And don't forget face-to-face-live.ca for more podcasts. You can find out. Uh, I'm coming up on 360 interviews, I believe. Hot Docs is coming up. And uh, believe it or not, already starting to think uh, about TIFF. And don't forget that uh, on patreon.com, you can support the work that I'm doing as well with my uh, podcasting on face-to-face-live.ca. Coming right up. Warflowers and Viveka Melki. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a very special uh, guest today, a returning uh, special guest, a filmmaker, uh, an artist, a creator, a writer, a poet. Uh, Viveka Melki is here today to talk about her new touring art exhibition, Warflowers, uh, that is on from January 24th to March 25th, uh, 2018, at the Campbell House Museum in Toronto. You've walked by 
this museum and you don't even know it's a museum. It's at the corner of Queen and University. Check it out. Viveka, thank you for joining us today. I am absolutely thrilled. We're in the attic of the Campbell House. How cool it's is that? It's an honor to be here. And David, what I love about talking to you is that we met when I was doing After Circus at Hot Docs here in Toronto. We did. About three years ago now. And now you're talking to me as a curator. I know, isn't it? It's amazing, right? <laughs> it is. Well, that's the life of an artist. That's the life of a story. And the fact is that not all stories end up being films. Some of them end up being exhibitions. Some of them end up being books, circuses. It, what's important is telling the story. What's important is telling the story. I mean, if that's not the... Uh, what are we, 32 and a half seconds in and we already have a sound bite? This is amazing. <laughs> How come I knew this was going to well, happen? It's just true. It's just, you know, I tend to... It, it's talking to you. You get me straight to the point of what matters. <laughs> <laughs> so, so give us a little bit of context history about about the exhibition itself. I mean, we we happy to talk to you about how you got to fund it and all that kind of stuff as well. But tell me more about about. I mean, to Why? me, the whole the whole exhibition's rooted in memory. It yes, seems to me and exactly. We're absolutely going to be talking about love as well. That's going to come up for sure. But tell me your own sort of journey to this. Uh, thank you, because that is the question I think that any POV artist or point of view artist has to has to address. And let's not shy away from the fact that this is a filmmaker's exhibition. Nice. Uh, we've had folks from the CBC uh, come here and they look around and they say, this is a filmmaker's exhibition because we approach the story in a, in a, in a different way, perhaps. I will leave the audience to judge that. But the exhibition came about for me because I've been filming with veterans and I've been filming stories of conflict for about 12, mm. 13 years now. And I have a very deep concern about history disappearing. I have a concern about uh, systems of owning history, whether it's archival photographs or whether it's, um, you know, the, the investment that we make into transcribing letters from 100 years ago. I'm worried about history disappearing on our landscape. I have been making uh, films in this, in this vein for a number of years now. And so when I found the box of red, of red box, let me take that again. When I found the box that had the letters of George Stephen Cantley and they were given to me by a gentleman called Bruce Bolton in Montreal, I knew that I was looking at the largest collection of First World War flowers hmm. that we now know is one of the largest collections in North America. However, I knew that it wasn't enough. Hmm. And that's a terrible thing to say. But the truth is, if you are going to engage people in history, in Canadian history, and come at that from two different angles, I am a first-generation Canadian, and none of this history is my own. So how am I going to care who on earth was John McRae? Right. How am I going to care about Julia Drummond? What does it matter that Vimy happened. Right. I'm from West right. Africa. Right. This is not my story. Right. So that was the first point that I always carry with me when I'm telling a story. And the second is I have a seven-year-old daughter who is going to grow up to be a teenager. Not that all teenagers are doing this, but there's a lot of texting going on, and the attention span can be limited when we come to talking about history. So taking those two points of view, having spoken in schools to young people, knowing that I am absolutely not making generalization because there are some who love it, but there are many who just don't understand it. I came to the idea of an exhibition with one line that was important. What are you going to feel when you walk out of this story? Hmm. I didn't want to bombard you with statistics and facts, and I wanted you to have those, but what really mattered to me 
was that you maybe walked away understanding one fraction of what it felt like to go to war, what it felt like to be a veteran of the Second World War who I have spoken to. And so what I did was I took the flowers, the 10 flowers that you will see in this exhibition, and I added the language of floriography. And floriography is the Victorian language of flowers that was used to express emotions. And so we have in the exhibition Eternal Sleep, which mm. is the poppy. We have Heather, which is solitude. So you have these elements. You know what, I just, sorry, I just had a blank there. I'm going to say, uh, Heather, I'm sorry, I think, I think it's lavender and solitude, excuse me, because I'm tired. So I'd like to say that you have mother's love, that is the daisy. So each flower has a meaning. And the point of using floriography was to give the language of war to the veterans who I have spent time with and to help them express what that commitment was. It was also to break the silence. The Victorian era was a time where you didn't share your emotions, and mm -hmm. I know how hard it is for veterans to share what they have experienced. We're talking about Second World War veterans, of course. So in my time interviewing with them, I took those memories, those experiences, the words they had told me, and I wrote the 10 I believes. And in each station has an I believe. I believe that grief is internal while mourning is public, is the poppy, eternal sleep. I believe that a mother's love has no limits, Julia Drummond, English Daisy. So I took those and I made the I believes, and I gave the I believes to two artists. One was Alexandra Bachon, she is a perfumer from Magog, Quebec, and the other was Mark Rains Roberts. He's a crystal artist here in Toronto. And I asked them to interpret what the word memory, solitude, mother's love, what it meant for them, and to create their own art and their own meaning for that, for that I believe, and for the crystal and for the scent that they created. So you want me to feel something walking out. Is that, is that about memory? Is that, is, uh, or is that connecting to memory in some way, even if I don't have an understanding of what, what war really is, is it, is, is it about uh, empathy yeah. for, for these because men Because what I do believe, fighting? what I do believe is you do have a memory. Mm. In your life, you have lived some conflict. Right. You have lived some memory of your grandfather's knee and the pipe that he used to smoke. Right. Or the scent in Mother's Love Station, uh, which makes me think of my grandmother or think of my daughter when she was young and that talcum powder smell. You have those memories. I can smell the, what the, I'm the, doing the pipe is tobacco. Exactly. That's one that makes me think yeah. of my dad who used yeah. to smoke my pipe. My grandfather in England. Yeah. yeah. So those memories are completely illogical. They have no meaning. <laughs> I cannot even tell you. There, no, there are no words for that. That's right. personal to you. And so what we're trying to do is have you connect to your memories and tell you that human nature, in fact, does not change. Whether it's the First World War, whether it's Korea, whether it's Normandy, these are the same emotions of human nature. And unfortunately, as I say in the station Resolve to Win, I believe that war is inherent to human nature, as is the desire for, for victory. And that's what I'm saying about this, is that this is not... Uh, people sort of think the First World War is far away. Actually, unfortunately, those things have not changed. And, and that's what I'm trying to say is that not only has that not changed, but let's do something one step more. And let's, let me speak as a first-generation immigrant. Hope is eternal. Mm. <laughs> it's amazing. I 
chose the crystals and to work with Mark Rains Roberts because they are the light in the darkness. Yeah, but there is always Rebecca, light. You're an artist. You're just you're just a hopeful idealist, aren't you? Uh, Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an artist, which means I'm a survivor. <laughs> mm, interesting. Being an artist is not easy, and making history is a fight. Let us not yeah. shy away from that fact. So, so this idea of war being inherent to human nature clearly, yeah. oh, clearly, probably has ruffled a few feathers. Yes, yeah. it has. But People, we're so pe- good at it, war. <laughs> we are very good we're at very it. We're very good at it. Yeah, I'm we're not good sure at who the... it was. I think it might have been Pascal who said, uh, the philosopher Pascal, you know, the uh, the Ponzé, he said the, 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 the time that we're most, uh, where we find most pleasure is when we're killing others. My God. Something, so, that's, my, that's a Peckian paraphrase, by the way. So if anyone wants, wants the real yeah, uh, quotes, but... send me a note and we'll find it. But yeah, I, I think we are pretty good at it. You know, the station of Resolve to Win has a very testosterone smell to it. Mm. <laughs> Resolve to win. Is it? Is but, it? A, but, but David, sorry. Let, yeah, go. You wanted to keep me from these shores? That's a resolve to win also. To ask somebody who is fleeing Orsonshire, we do not put our children in a boat unless the sea is safer than the land. Resolve to win? Nothing would stop me immigrating here. You don't look back, you look mm, forward. And mm, that's what Resolve mm, to Win is about. Mm, it's not mm. just about war. It's about human nature right. and struggle. And that's why we about were honored. stepping into it. Stepping into it, taking it on. And we had, I remember the day when the exhibition was at the Canadian War Museum, which it has been, uh, and it's just arrived in Toronto. I remember there was a Syrian refugee, a mother standing at Mother's Love, and she was crying. Mm. And she said to me, and I spoke to her in Arabic, because I do speak Arabic. And I said to her, are you all right? And she said, this doesn't change. Mm. And that's what we're trying wow. to say. These I'm bumps. trying to say these are, these are stories from yesterday, unfortunately. And fortunately, that, that I think resilience and hope and finding beauty in darkness, those things don't change either. They're incredible. Well, the irony of flowers and war. Well, the, the that he managed to stop walking. Two, two a day, right? Two, he was two sending, letters a day. He was saying two letters a day, but the fact that he stops and picks these flowers in the middle of the Battle of the Somme. I mean, probably not in the middle, but he was taking them from right, billets and right, hedges, and it says right. in the letters, stolen or taken from a garden or, Imagine you know. him loading his rifle and out of a, his peripheral vision he's thinking, seeing a flower in the and distance. He's thinking of a oh, one-year-old back one. home. Yeah, yeah, he's thinking of a one-year-old at home because it's why is remarkable. he there? He's there to defend, to protect, to do something that maybe many of us would question doing. Well, the and he's ir- there the, to do And it. the irony of the, of the killing and the violence to get to peace is just yeah. so deeply disturbing, isn't it? I mean, isn't, can't there be, okay, now I'm the idealist here. Can't there be a better way? I mean, so if Thank we're- Thank God we're idealists. I know, agreed. I'm because we, we need to be. Yeah. Yeah, no, for That's sure. That's the thing. I and mean, you, you can't, I don't think you can get rid of that. I, I've carried it my whole life. I, I, I pray for it. I hope for it. Uh, the favorite archive in the exhibition is in the Station of Grace. Mm. And it's a German and a Canadian helping each other through Passchendaele. Right. That's the favorite archive of the majority of people that come to the exhibition. Well, because it's compassion. Right. And it's how we want to be. Despite the 68,000 names of the dead that surround you in the exhibition, because I believe that you have to name to give power. And I wanted to give them that power by naming them. Tell me about some of the things that you've done in the exhibition that, uh, like the 68,000 names that haven't been done before, 
in, in, in the yeah. sort of the representation of, of, of war and of memory and, and, and so on. Just the very idea of taking flowers and letters and putting a language of flowers into the language of war. Mm. That, was, that was unique. One of the most unique, it's incredible, Alexandre Bachand's idea of an olfactory exhibition that your memory, your personal memories can be stimulated, can be, can be triggered by a scent. We know this, but believe me, come and see it because you'll be, you'll be blown away. I started crying when I smelled the scent of John McRae's station, Eternal Sleep. and I didn't know why because it, it reminds you of death. And that's amazing. That, that says to me, we're sitting on the corner of Queen University, one of the busiest cities in the world, and you come to this exhibition and you feel like you're in a church. You feel like you're in silence. It's contemplative, and that's what we were trying to do. We want to surround you. So the exhibition, as I've been told, and I humbly say this, after 160,000 people have now gone through the exhibition. Wow, it's amazing. Because I, as any artist, I create, but I don't ask what people are going to feel until they tell right. me what they felt. So right. 160,000 people later, we know, now know that people are feeling, they're understanding what it was to go to that war, what it was to be involved in it. I've had veterans who stand at the healing station, as we call it, which is Stitchwort, the flower, and they're crying, and they start talking and talking and talking, and they're telling me their story because we got it. We got it right. I right. had a veteran right. from Vietnam who visited the Reefert Gardens this summer, and he said to me, you got it. Wow. I wish I wow. wish I hadn't got it, but we did get it. Right. We understood something. So that's what the exhibition is doing that's unique. And that has been a surprise to us, the creators. We never knew we could go this far, but each one of us gave of ourselves. And I'm talking to you as a writer and an artist yourself. You know that you have to let something die to let something live. And we all had to give up a part of ourselves. Mm. But when we switched on the exhibition and the lights and the music and the scent, that's when we looked at each other and we, I remember Claude Langlois, the sound designer said, this is bigger than us. Yeah. We didn't realize what we were doing. So memory, uh, hope, um, how, how much of this would you say is kind of, are people reflecting on their own sense of grief and their yes. own past Absolutely. On, the, on the on the cab ride home, on the TTC ride home, on the walk home, on the drive home, reflecting on other, uh, um, like you said earlier, issues of conflict in their own lives, unresolved tension, reconciliation, yeah. relationships. I mean, it's remarkable love. how and love and how deep this actually does go. Commitment. It's incredible. It people really is. Are, um, people are, I think connecting in a time when we are very disconnected. Mm. Everything is a soundbite, mm -hmm. right? You right. and I know yep. this. We're probably both on Facebook. And I am being fed what an algorithm has said I'm interested in. <laughs> right. So I think what I'm saying is step into this world. I bought a pair of shoes uh, a few months ago. They're, Facebook's still trying to sell me the same <laughs> pair of shoes. I don't know what's there going on come. with that. I think there's something wrong with we the algorithm. We created That's this what I'm, monster. Yeah, it's a monster, yeah. <laughs> No, I think that people are, I, I again humbly say that I think people are feeling connected. I had someone come into the exhibition yesterday and she was, you know, in the pace of, of Toronto, which I feel also. And then she sat on the bench in the exhibition and 20 minutes later she said, I feel so calm. I, I don't understand. 
Well, it's because we, we've, we've pressed pause. Mm. We've pressed pause and we've said, just, just sit with us for a minute. Listen, look. And you are surrounded by 10 optical crystals that right. are giving off light. <laughs> it's incredible. So it, it's not surprising. The soundtrack is amazing, too. It's composed for the exhibition by Marie-Claire Sendon. It's a beautiful, a beautiful so, uh, uh, collaborative uh, uh, yes. experience. I, I was going to say those are the piece, best things. Let's talk about making history in a collaborative way. In a collaborative way. Even if that way is confrontational. Well, it's going to be more meaningful. Hopefully, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to. you're going to bring different perspectives, different cultures to bear on the Absolutely. interpretation and on the expression of it, right? It's yeah. just what a more, it's way more holistic, it seems to me. Yeah, and, and each of the artists, Alexander Rifford, the writer, Alexandre Bachand, the perfumer, we, we all were artists who were able to put aside our egos and tell a story. You know, I don't know who's an artist who's listening to me is saying, I don't want to change my text and my producer or editor is driving me crazy. Well, maybe if we all give a little bit and we all collaborate a lot, we will achieve in telling history stories, which of course are my passion. Because alone, we're not going to make it. <laughs> yeah, alone, it's well. Wow. It's too it's much so of a true. struggle. It's so true. In this age well, we of funding we, cuts. It seems to me. Right. <laughs> in this it, age of funding yeah. cuts, we're trying to make history important. Right. As we sit in this room, outside the window is a monument by Alward. They marched up this street in universe, on University Street. They marched up it going to war. Hmm. Those ghosts are still there for me. Right, right. Memory. It's, it's, it really is uh, profound. Tell me, so, so tell me about the letter writer. Um, two letters a day, one to his wife, one to his kids. Each one had flowers in it. No. Oh, it didn't have... It, it, George Stephen County writes two letters a day. Yep. He only sends flowers to Celia, who's a year old, because she can't read. Oh, so the letters nice. say, to we Celia from beautiful, Daddy. Beautiful, beautiful. What's amazing is that the letters also say, from a hedge, from Flanders, mm. you know, from a billet. It's telling us Canadian history in a time where censorship, of course, was, was also there. So the letters, he, sa he just sends the flowers to Celia. She's a year old. And this is 1916. They're mostly picked in around the Somme area. Hmm. And unfortunately, George Stephen Canty suffers from battle fatigue hmm. or post-traumatic stress and is sent to the UK in September 1916. But he has been at the front by that time for at least three years. He was one of the first to go over. So he survives, he lives to a grand old age. Celia's mother unfortunately dies right after the war and Celia grows up in Montreal and lives into her 90s. And wow. her descendants came to the exhibition. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow, that must have been quite a but moment. But the woman who I love and admire deeply is Elspeth Angus. Elspeth Angus is George Stephen Cantley's granddaughter. Okay. And she is the keeper of the letters. She keeps mm, them mm. all these years. Right. Celia gives them to her as a family member, and she adores her grandfather. She has memories. She told me many stories. Now, C Elspeth, unfortunately, is in care in Montreal. She had a stroke. so, But she keeps these flowers and these letters. And I asked her permission to make this exhibition. I asked her permission. I think you have to respect the families from whom mm, these letters come. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and every... Uh, I want to come back to the 68,000 names. Yeah. But what... What pushes this guy to write two letters a day? 
I mean, I mean, let's talk. Let's talk about this. so. So I believe love inspires. This is you, I believe. Quote: I believe love inspires loyalty and the pursuit of a common cause. Close quote. Um, I think it just says curator too in the in the exhibition. Yes, it must because this is an art exhibition. Mm. A historian would mm. maybe not say the same statement. Right. So that's why it's an art exhibition, right. and those right. statements right. are made by a POV right. point right. of view artist. Right. Right. So love is uh, a common thread here for sure. Clearly. Uh, I've seen your films. I've seen your work. We've talked before. I can. I know it's a thread for you and a theme for you. Is that what's driving this guy? Is it this sense of him wanting to? Get, is it what keeps him connected to home? I mean, in some ways, these questions are easy to answer. I'm a dad. If I'm on the uh, yeah. a, a five thousand miles away yeah. trying to kill other people, what's gonna what's gonna keep me sane? What are you, you know, doing I'm it for? Di I'm dying from scurvy or, or diarrhea. Or, you know, why am I even here? Why these, are you these there? These men I'm killing have children. It's Which just you have, you've touched madness, on. You've touched. I'm gonna. I want to talk about love, but I'm gonna yeah. talk about vulnerability. Yes, please. Yeah. Because you've touched on the very central narrative of the exhibition, which is that I have picked the point in which they were vulnerable mm. when McRae was exhausted, dies of pneumonia in 1918 after ministering to hundreds of people, when George Vanier loses his leg, when Percival Molson has a bullet go through his face, has his face reconstructed and goes back to and die in 1917. Back. When Julia Drummond loses her son, Guy, her only son in 1915, what does she do? She goes and starts the Information Bureau for the Red Cross so that Canadian families can know. What do you do when you want to give up? Do you keep going? And at the end of that day, I think love. And this has been a lesson, David, for me, because I struggle with that concept, let me tell you. Mm, the concept love, love. you struggle is with the, that. Yes, love in all my films and in all my work. This is where they did it. Julia Drummond's love for her son, her empathy for understanding what other mothers must have gone through when they didn't know what happened. You know, whether it was Vanier's faith, whether it was Jean Briand's, my God, he won the Victoria Cross, how many, 12 people he saved before he died? These are, what makes you do that? And mm -hmm. this comes back, I humbly come back to Gerald Dow, D-Day plus five, veteran from New Richmond that I interviewed five years ago. He says to me, when I came back, my wife, it was my wife that kept me going. I got wow. married, I loved. Ask the Battle for Hong Kong veterans when they came home. Love kept them going. Many of them say their wives got them through it. So I'm very interested in love and conflict and how that keeps you going. That, that's why it's all over the exhibition. And that's, if I'm not growing as an artist when I make something, if mm. I'm not evolving, mm. right. then the audience isn't going to evolve with me. I feel you have to have the courage to take that on. That's so, a certain so, so tell me about that evolution. Biggest challenge for you, or one of them. I'm sure there's way more than understanding. one. Understanding. Mm. The biggest challenge on this exhibition was understanding that this is not a film. Right. You know, you right, come into right, a film right. and you sit there and we've got you for 60 minutes. You're right. in a theater, you come to Hot Docs and you sure. watch After Circus and 78 minutes, I've yep. got you yep. by Cap the hand. Kind of captive. Welcome to museum world. Yeah. Somebody comes in, they go in any direction they like. They don't read everything. Right. And maybe their kid needs to go to the bathroom. <laughs> right. And phone rings. they've got their phone going. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. now tell me a story and yeah. attach me to that story. Oh, That's a challenge. Yeah. That is a challenge. I raise my hat to my mentors at the Canadian War Museum. They are the ones that mentored me through this experience because I don't come from the museum world. I don't. I come from the film world. Yep. I can tell you a story. I can tell you that part. But when it comes to understanding museology, 
please, let's turn to the people who actually know exactly how audiences react, because it was amazing. The text you see was edited 15 times before it went on the wall. Alexander Riefert and myself were tearing our hair out. But they were right. They're right because they understand people. And what are they understanding? They're understanding human nature, mm. exactly what the exhibition's yep. about. They're understanding what people, how people react to story. And that's amazing. And, and you only have to go to some of the best museums I've ever seen, which are in Ottawa. They're amazing museums. Here, they're amazing. Look at that storytelling. And, and, and all I'm trying to say, honestly, is, is respect it. My goodness, fund it. Help people right, tell right, stories. Right. Right. Because it's so essential, and those those guys are holding on. And so we had mentorship. I had mentorship at the Canadian War Museum for two years on this project. We, I mean, I, I'm tempted just to do a whole other interview with you right now, uh, finish this one up and do another one about storytelling. I mean, the power of it, the meaning behind it, how we, where we find our future in it, where our values and our morals, and it just... The list goes on, right? How important it is I'm gonna, to... I'm going to ask you to, to come and run a panel for me. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I yeah. think that you're the guy. I would love to do that. Because that would be really interesting. That's a very interesting question. You ask interesting questions. So thanks. Um, <laughs> sometimes they don't always have, you know, uh, specific <laughs> answers. I'm not really interested that's in okay. yes, we're no meandering. answers. We're meandering uh, a yeah, little bit. It's about the conversation. It's about the dialogue. I mean, that's how you get to the next, the next level, it seems to me. So 15 years of interviews, I think, with veterans... Yes. And, and, and various stories. You've, you've, been, you've been immersed in other people's lives and histories and so on and memories. Um, so war is inherent in human nature. I'm, I'm just kind of trying to create a little bit of context here. Yeah. What do you learn about, about the future? What do you learn about... Uh, do, are we, are, we're looking in the crystal ball here, Vivekka. Are we not killing each other quite as frequently and often in, in, in 120 oh, years? David, like, <laughs> Like, wow. What do you learn from these? <laughs> you're asking, are you asking the answer? I wish I could give you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to think we're we're getting better at at loving each other. I'd like, and that sounds so corny in a way. You know, that's like a, some sort I'd of like T-shirt. To, I'd like to dream that we're getting more present. Mm, nice. Yeah. That we're just becoming more present. Be careful of the pace of our life that is moving us further and further away from the essential. Pace of our, yeah, getting us away from the essential. I mean, the essential present, being each if other. You, if you think for a moment beyond laws and rules and and I'm afraid of losing this land and I'm so I'm taking that land. Right. That's a human being who gets in a boat and risks their life to escape. Two teenagers got on a plane in West Africa and died trying to get to Europe. And they left a letter. This happened a month ago. Wow. They left a letter saying, we're doing this because we're desperate. There's a desperate world out there beyond our narrative here on the corner of Queen University. And, and I just wish people would, would try and understand that. And if they did, I, I don't have the answers. My God, right. I wish I could tell right. you that we're heading towards peace. But we have, to, we have to head towards empathy. We have to teach our children empathy. Right. I mean, maybe that's the, you know, I'm working currently in, 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 in public engagement. How do, you, how do you get people to act? What is the call to action if you have a, you a, a social media campaign you, or, you, have, you know, okay. what is that? And, and I don't know what it is here, but maybe it is to say, to, to teach our children 
this I'm, to become I more like empathetic. To, absolutely. To, you know, to, to... To contribute. To contribute. Nice. This to, is what you do, David Peck. Yeah, yeah. And I hope you keep this in your interview. Oh, okay. This is how you contribute. Mm, this is nice, how I contribute. Thanks. Because we are artists, and we're artists who... Let's not... It's a struggle to be an artist. It's a mm. struggle to do what we're doing. But this is our volunteering. This is how we contribute. This is our This volunteerism. is how they contributed. Yes. And now we're contributing by... by by doing what we do. And that's, that's important. And unfortunately, I find that sometimes the things that are really important are not being measured. Mm, that's so true. We measure what's easy. We don't, we don't measure what's meaningful. We just, we just don't. That's what we tried to it's, do in the exhibition. Mm. We tried to measure what was meaningful. And I'm trying yeah. to say, you've got it in you, all of you today. You have this in you. You have the ability to, to succeed. You See, have the ability. So that's to me, is a brilliant insight in the sense that we already all have this. We, we, yes. we start with this. It's your human Somehow nature. it gets squeezed <laughs> out. Somehow it gets, uh, and, and how do we bring out, how do we, how do we nurture water? The, and is, here, we, here what, a, what a beautiful for, full circle to come back to flowers. Yeah. And this idea of growing something that actually, it, it has to be one of the most photographed things in the world, flowers. They yes, have to be, I, I should think say. So. Isn't that kind Absolutely. of an interesting Absolutely. It's insight? why I approach the Reefer you know, Gardens. Oh, aren't on they this? beautiful? Aren't they wonderful? And we don't even really know why. Right? They smell great. They look great. They've got we don't need to colors. know why. We know why on another yeah. level. Yeah, yeah. It's an intuitive thing. It's, it's already there. How do we People no, come into the exhibition and they stand there and they, they sort of say, I don't understand why I'm feeling. You don't have to mm, understand. Nice. Just come true. You don't. and feel this. Understand. And they're like, well, I have a theory that we've honored them and that they like it. And I don't mind saying this. I have a great-grandmother who's indigenous, so I have no problem saying that the spirits may be happy with what we have done. Mm. And if they weren't, I sure would be hearing about it. So I'm just yes, glad yes. that people are coming and connecting to something. Yep. Why did I have a dream one night? I woke up and put 68,000 names on a wall because we should be listening to those, those points of instinct those dreams, we are so far from listening to those things that are so old. In each of our cultures, they exist, but we don't value them. Well, we're, crum we're crummy listeners. Well, I mean, let's face it. We're, we're pretty, in the 21st century, we don't listen very well to anyone. It's because we're always waiting to talk. Mm. Or text. Or text. <laughs> if we just listen to the end of the sentence. You mentioned before the recorder was going something really interesting to me. Was it 40? Uh-oh, wasn't that many, off the record? No, I don't think so. Well, maybe some of it was. But <laughs> no, the, the indigenous, the, the First Nations, Métis and Inuit folk yes. that fought in World War I. Yes. 4,800? There was Again, a large... Again, I always give credit where it's due. Stacy Barker, my historian guide at the War Museum, confirmed for me that 4,000 indigenous went to the First mm. World War and came back with little acknowledgement. Right, I bet, yeah. Little acknowledgement. So, sadly, uh, we, we need to wrap this up in, in a couple of minutes, and I know this is an ongoing conversation, to be sure. Where, so, so we're, you're, tour, you're here till the 25th. Will this exist online in some way? Are you going to try to get this into schools? I'm it sure does, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I have to answer something else now. Yeah, <laughs> go. Because I know that you're a filmmaker also. I'm, well, I'm trying. I'm so working I'm on a small project. So I'm going to say something really important. Okay, good. There's a theory that you and I are actually making one long film. Mm. Our whole life, everything we do, whether it's circuses or exhibitions or films or books, it's actually one thing that we're trying to say. I'm trying to say in this exhibition, love, resilience, hope, 
every project I've ever done in the last 20 years has been about that. Come to the exhibition as a visitor and ask yourself, what's the story of your life that mm. you're trying to say? And live it. Have the courage to live it. Yeah, don't, don't let it end there. So exactly. ask the question, have the insight, that's the call to action. Now go, now go, on, now go. go and live it. And to answer your question, yes, there is a beautiful website for Warflowers. Nice. And the most beautiful part of that website, you can see all of the stories. You can even get more history on each of the Canadians. But there's a guest book, and there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments and stories that people are sharing with us. Because I made this whole exhibition with one more word in mind, and it was healing. Mm. We have to heal the generations from the First World War to now of these stories. And we have to heal as a society, and we have to heal our PTSD. This is what this mm. is about. So if you have a story to share with us, we're listening, and the artists are reading the website, and we're seeing the stories, and we just wanted to help you with that. That's what we were doing. Wow. That's, I think that, that has to be the way we end this part of our conversation. It's, it's ongoing. You do this every time. Uh, yeah, Best interviews ever with you. <laughs> Incredible. You. You just, it's because you listen so well. Uh, war, war Flowers. <laughs> thank you. War Flowers, a touring art exhibition. It's at the Campbell House Museum in Toronto, University North west corner i believe of of university and queen we're in the attic right now how cool is that can Love you imagine it. the memory and the history here mm -hmm. come and see this what a pleasure vivaca thank you so much for for your time today and for the interview and for the insights and please come and visit uh oh and online where where can we uh, warflowers.ca vivaca thank you so thank much thank you david Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.